plane ride. <clears throat> if you're not familiar with a biplane, that's open cockpit, just sort of like, you know, Snoopy flying around <clears throat> and whatever. And uh, I thought back to a joke that Brother Eddie Hopkins told me a number of years ago. He said this man took his wife to a fair or something like that, and they had biplane rides there. And the old guy that was doing the, uh, the he was the pilot, um, he said, well, it, it's $25 back in the day. He said, but here's the catch. He said, if you can just be quiet and don't say one thing, <clears throat> the whole ride, just no, no matter what I do, just be quiet. When we land, it'll be free. So, man, they took off, son, and they'd done all kinds of barrel rolls and loops and this, this and that and the other. <clears throat> they got down, and uh guy said, well, man, you've you done it. You've done it. I can't believe that you have done it. And the guy said, well, you know, I almost lost it on that loop when my wife fell out. <laughs> I almost said something. <laughs> well... It wasn't quite like that because uh, Kelly was thinking to start with that it was like a small Cessna airplane, but she was thinking at least it had uh, a canopy. And when they come towing that bird out there, it was built in 1927. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful time, and so uh, it was fun. And um, so it's good to get away and get refreshed. Amen. It's good to be back. We had a wonderful service this morning, the early service, and uh, so we're closing out now. I can't believe that we're already closing hashtag struggles. Let me just say this. I want to give my, uh, uh, a shout-out to the band and the guys that done such a wonderful job today, and uh, get, go ahead. Amen. And then Pastor Josh, who handled, and the other pastors who handled so many things while I was gone, he told me before I left, he said, man, I've already put the word out to, to everybody stay in the house, do whatever, because something always happens, somebody dies or goes in the hospital, and that's just life, it goes on. And uh, while we were gone, we actually had two deaths connected with the church. Uh, Brother Tim Pierce passed, and then uh, Brother Maines passed from the Lighthouse Church, and Brother Josh called me and said, I'm going in the house and staying until you get back. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, but I'm very thankful for the church who, uh, who understands that uh, ministry continues on and, and God continues to use others, just like these guitar players stepping up in the absence of another and drummers and bassists and right on around the room. That's the way it ought to be, and uh, I'm so thankful for it. <clears throat> what I want you to know today is there has always been comparison. From the earliest days of my memory... When we as little boys got together, we talked about our dads and my dad's better than your dad or bigger than your dad or can beat your dad. We talked about, uh, you know, how fast we could run from here to the stop sign and back. And then we did it naked. Amen. <laughs> I didn't say, oh, man, you're crazy. I'm just, I'm talking about way back, way back. And nonetheless, I, I mean, so comparison has always been there. Now, you don't have to go too far to find comparison. Matter of fact, you could just grab your iPhone, and you could open Facebook, and you would hear something like, Honey, can you believe they have bought another car? They just got a Lexus last year, and now they got another one. Can you believe that? It's now a Volvo 
or whatever. My goodness, I wish that we could live the way they live. And then you flip over to Instagram, and there is a girl sitting around a table. It's candle lit. Her fiancé or husband is there, and she's got a rock so big her hand just hangs over. And you say, oh, diamonds are forever. I just wish I had a diamond like that. I just wish my husband had a job where he could buy a diamond like that. Amen. And you don't see all of the other things that go along with the diamond like that. But we find ourselves in a situation, uh, and oh, guys, you're not left out because you look up and you all of a sudden see this guy who's been into bodybuilding and fitness for six months, and now all of a sudden he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger used to look. And you say, I've been at this for 10 years. And you're wearing the extra small shirt and still look raggedy. <laughs> Hello? You don't have the biceps and the triceps and all the other seps. Huh? You just ain't got it. And here's this Johnny come lately, you know, that all of a sudden he just blew in, blew up, and blew out. <laughs> Women just hanging all over him, you know. And, uh, and there goes that comparison. Man, I've been in the gym and I've paid my dues and God just don't love me. My muscles, you know, I'm pooching out where I ought to pooch in. Huh? And, and you know, we, that's how we are. We look at in comparison, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I show up one day in a pair of shorts and somebody said, look like you riding a chicken because... <laughs> Because I've got my mom's skinny legs. If I eat it, all goes right here. And I ain't got the um, dedication enough to put it all out here, some, you know, or whatever. So, but, but we get into trouble when we compare ourselves unfairly. And we do it all the time. You see, um, there's so many things that shows that. If you want to shop at Lowe's or Amazon, they have what's called comparison shopping. If you're looking for a dishwasher, you can look at a Whirlpool, you can look at a Maytag, you can look at a Kenmore uh, or whatever, and you just pull those up by name brand, and you can see all of the, the goodies that this one's got, the pros and the cons, and you can see all of this. And uh, I imagine some of the dating sites might even have that with some of the, I don't know about that, I'm just... I'm just saying, but next thing you know, there'll be some comparison shopping there. And so, um, um, but, but Amazon has that, and Vegas has made a lot of money on, on contrast and on comparing who's better and who's projected to win this or to win that. Matter of fact, the, the HGTV fixer-upper, Chip and Joanna Gaines, my wife ought to have stock in it. She needs to go to rehab because that's all she likes to watch. And then she likes to try it out, you know, to see if we can make our house look like something Joanna done and whatever. But nonetheless, but they bring up three properties. If someone comes, you know, and they say, we'll give you three options, and you look at this and look at that and, and the other, and they get to look at those and compare and decide where they want to move and fix up. So I want you to know that comparison has always been around, and it ain't going nowhere. The problem is, is we compare unjustly. We often compare. Um, you see, here's what we need to know, that comparing is not always bad as long as we're doing it for the right reasons. In other words, uh, sometimes you compare things. Like, for instance, someone's right now working on an iPhone in one of the booths 
And they're going through our service live, and they're making notes as to what's going good, what's going bad, and what needs to be changed or whatever. And we will compare these notes on Tuesday morning so that we can just get a little bit better. In other words, if, Mike's, uh, if my mic dies, and uh, then we got to find out why didn't somebody change the batteries in the preacher's mic. You know, if, if we can't uh, see the screens, why didn't somebody? You don't know it, but they changed these bulbs and these projectors last week because the week before, or two weeks before, it said the battery, I mean the life is low on the bulb. Period. And so, so we're constantly trying to get better. There's nothing wrong with using comparison. In other words, we'll compare last Easter and the Easter before and, and project what we want to do this coming Easter, and we've already done that. That's not bad. But when you compare apples to oranges, then you're in trouble. So let me, let me give you an example of that. Say you're a high school quarterback, and you're doing good, man. You're, you're just you're lighting it up. But you compare yourself to Tom Brady. It ain't going to work because he's probably the best or there at quarterback that has ever been, uh, whether you're, and I'm not a Patriots fan. I think it's Peyton Manning myself, but nonetheless. But if you compare yourself to either one of them, you're going to fall short, severely short. Now, you might in time work yourself up to that level with a lot of work, a lot of practice, and a lot of coaching and mentoring. You might get to that level. But you're not there yet. So for you to contra contrast yourself with Peyton Manning and where you're at in high school, it's unfair. It's apples and oranges. It's not the same deal. It's kind of like taking a BMW or Volvo and trying to compare that to a Volkswagen Bug. The ride just ain't going to be the same. Huh? Your status, if you're into that, ain't going to be the same. You know, when you ride down a road, People ain't going to swoon over you like, you know, if you're into all that. And so I, I just want you to know that, that comparison is not always bad unless you make it bad. But the problem is, is here's the problem with comparing. Let me just lay it out for you. Comparing makes us feel better or worse. You walk into a room and you say, I'm the biggest stud in here. And you feel good about yourself. You walk in the room and everybody's bigger than you. Everybody's ripped and you look like your first day at the gym. You sort of hang your head and hope somebody will talk to you. You understand what I'm saying? And so you start comparing yourself, seeing if you measure up to these guys or not. Ladies, you walk into the room, you're the, in your mind, the prettiest thing there. I got all these beat. You're good to go. You, you step up with some confidence but if you walk into the room and everybody there is drop-dead gorgeous on their worst day, and you have used all the paint you had on your dresser, all the lashes you had, all the hair you had, you've done put it all on, son. You understand what I'm saying? And you just don't feel that good about yourself because you know they got it. I mean, they, they ain't even got a stitch of makeup on and beautiful. And you say, God, you must not love me because I got to buy false this and false that. I, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to work hard to even look decent. They get up out of bed. Their breath don't even stink. <laughs> Hello? And you unjustly compare yourself to somebody else. I want to tell you, their breath does stink. <laughs> Amen? That's just how it is. But the devil would have you, oh, no, man, they just, that's how they are. 
you see. But you'll feel better or you'll feel worse. You'll feel inferior or superior. And you walk around and say, well, he has a better job. He has a hotter wife. He has a faster car. They, they have a great relationship with their boss. And, and you unjustly compare yourself because quite possibly it's the same Peyton Manning and the high school quarterback. You see, maybe you're not even in the same class. How many of you watch boxing? You watch boxing or UFC or whatever? They don't put the same guys. I mean, everybody's not in the same class. Some of these guys down here, even though they're bad boys, they ain't ready for some of this. Are you with me? Say amen. I'm not saying they ain't tough. I mean, they, they whip all of us probably. But they ain't ready for this. And that's the deal. In our life, we unjustly compare ourselves to somebody else and we say, we've come up on the short end of the stick and God must not love me as much as he does whatever their name is. Because they got jewels hanging all over them. Huh? Man, they smell like a perfume factory. They drive the latest and the greatest. They live. Look where they live. Man, in the center of Osprey. Or they're right there on the water. And you know what? Toodle do. I live in the Creek Hood. That's, they call it Creek Wood, but we call it the Creek Hood. Now, listen, I'm not knocking that because that stuff don't bother me. It don't bother me. You see, my high school year, I lived in 403E Wilson Apartments. That's in the ghetto of Columbus, Georgia. So you understand everything was a promotion after there. Y'all with me? So, but what I'm saying, I'm not saying that you shouldn't want to live in a nice place. I'm not saying you shouldn't want to drive something nice. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you get to the point where you're unjustly comparing yourself to somebody else, there are people who live in a whirlwind trying to keep up with the Joneses, and they don't realize the Joneses are bankrupt. And I'm, not, I'm hoping you, if you're a Jones here, I'm not talking about you. But the saying where they keep up with the Joneses, and they don't realize the Joneses are broke, they're busted. Listen, the result of comparing like this is that we want to blame somebody and ultimately we blame God. The problem is this. When we compare like that apples to oranges instead of apples to apples or whatever, then we get angry. And who do we get angry at? We get angry at God. And we say, God, you must not love me. We ask somebody, how's your business doing in this economy? And uh, you're just being crushed. I mean, your business is on the bottom. And they said, man, we are popping at scene, son. We're, we're you know, $10,000 over this month. And, oh, really? God must love you more than me. Huh? And, uh, and we think of it like that because we're both plumbers. Why is your business popping and mine's not? And so we blame God, and it produces that resentment, and there must be something wrong with me, and you know. Or perhaps someone tells you, say, my aunt has died. And you say, yeah. And they say, and she left me $2 million. Really? Well, why can't my aunt die? <laughs> Hello? I mean, we think like, I mean, surely, I, I mean, I'm okay. I'd give up one, too, if they got $2 million. And so we think like that. And the problem is this. And I'm telling you, every one of us has had it at some point in your life. If you can't be happy for somebody else when they are being blessed, your blessings are put on hold until you can. It is time, the Bible says, for us to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. So, listen, here's what he says in James 3, 
14 through 16. Here's what happens. If we're not careful when we're doing this kind of comparing, it invites Satan into our life. He said, but if you harbor bitter and enviness and strife, self-ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and self-ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. You see, comparison is based on the sin of envy. See, jealousy normally has to do with people. Envy has to do with things. Somebody drove by in a brand new bass boat. Ooh, I wish I could afford one of them. Hello? You don't realize there's two great days when you buy a boat. The first day you buy it and the day you sell it. Huh? I mean, that's just how it is. And then, but you look and you don't, you don't see all the warts and the wrinkles and all. You look and say, man, they got it. Nobody has the total package. That's right. You look at him and you say, look at him, man. He's ripped. He's got a hot car and a hot wife and hot children and they all make A's and you don't know all that. Hello? Let me give you a good example. You look at him and, and you say, man, just look at him. And then he takes off his shoes. And his toes are all jacked up. And his toenails are about that thick. And yellow. And you say, ooh, and his feet stink. Yeah, yeah. And you say, I mean, it's just nasty. And that's what you're thinking. But man, before you saw his feet, boy, you just loved him to death. He had the total package. He could buy me a rock. Woo, glory to God. Here's the thing. Oh, you thought he had that total package? Let me, let me just say this. Those same old, uh, the Bible says God gives our uncommonly parts more comeliness. In other words, them old jacked up, ugly feet still keeps me balanced and lets me go to work so I can buy her something pretty. Huh? I'm on my feet right now because they might be, uh, well, the Bible says beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. So whether you like mine or not, he's done said they're pretty. So I don't, you might not agree with it, but that's a fact. <laughs> Amen. So, but what I'm saying is we look at things and we say, well, they got the total package. You don't know that. You unjustly compare yourself apples to oranges. So here's the, uh, let, me, let me show you how this um, works. Psalm 106, Moses and Aaron. The Bible says, because of the envy, the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and Abiram. Pilate said they turned Jesus over to him because of envy. You see, it opens the door to rebellion. And now here's the sin of comparison, if you will. Not all comparison is sin, but if we're not careful, the comparison will bring a lack of acceptance. In other words, we don't accept who God made us to be because we're not like this character or that one. So we reject what God's called us to be, and we choose to live outside of what we're intended to be, and you'll never be happy. Hello? Uh, as I said, nobody has the whole package. In fact, um, have you ever thought about this? We in church can often compare ourselves with others in church. For example, if someone has a spiritual gift that's more in the spotlight than your spiritual gift, we begin to think that God don't love me as much as you love them because they've got this gift that just puts them up front all the time. And I'm going to tell you something. God is not into titles. He's into towels. The towel is the universal symbol of a servant. Hello? Of a servant. And that's truly what, what leadership is, is servanthood. 
And people don't get that, but that's it. But we, we think somebody, man, they're in the limelight, they're in the spot. I've had a lot of people, well, pastor, you must have it made. You don't work but on, you know, Sunday and Wednesday and play golf. Man, I ain't never played but one round of golf in my life. And it wasn't no good, so I ain't playing no more. <laughs> but then we lose our lack of identity. You see, this is when we, we don't really understand who we are in Christ and that God has a specific purpose for us. Notice 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. I want you to see this. This is powerful. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 12, he says, For we do or we dare not class ourselves or think of the classes. Uh, let me read from here. Uh, think of the classes we have or even in church or compare ourselves with others who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Wow. Hello? You see, when we compare ourselves, it is unwise and not of God. You see, we walk into the room and we sort of immediately size things up. Listen, we don't, we don't need to live in that, that bubble of comparison because you will always be struggling to get above it. You'll always be struggling to, to prove who you are and that you're really meaningful and that you're really successful and, and, and all of that. No, no, no. Be comfortable in the skin God gave you. I'm not giving you a license to be lethargic or, or uh, apathetic where you just sort of sit back and do nothing. No, if you need to get in shape, work on it. You know, if you need to get a better job, apply for it. Go to school for it. But don't put yourself in a comparison deal and say, well, I'm not as smart as this person and I'm not as bright as this one or talented or kin to somebody and start making all kinds of excuses. Listen, I, I done been there. I've done it before. I remember when we was running 50, 75 people, I look around, and, and especially after I started hitting my mid-30s, and I'll never forget, I was in a marriage seminar one time, Kelly would tell you, it's probably been 15 years ago now, I don't know, 12 years ago, and uh, Dr. John Vining was, was leading the, the class. It was a two-day seminar. And he said, husbands, I want you to lean over to your wife. Or, or first, I want you to write this down. And then I want you to tell it in their ear. Nobody else. There was 14 couples, I think, in the class. Tell them something. Nobody else. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think our church was maybe 100. 125 on a good Sunday. And I wrote down, uh, and then I leaned over to whisper in her ear, and I said, because at that time we'd done been in the ministry probably 18 years, I said, I sure thought we would be further up the road than we are right now. Tears in my eyes. I never said it to nobody else. And um, she leaned over to me and told me that in all of her entire whole life, I never knew this, done been married to her for a number of years, I mean a number of years, 18, 20 years, not one time ever did her daddy ever say, I love you. Not one time. And all of a sudden it brought kind of a whole brand new perspective to me. And we start talking about, I mean, I, I was thinking of myself, I was looking at the church and saying, you know, here's this Johnny come lately that's 25 years old blowing up with a church of four and 500 and we can't even hit 100 regular. You understand what I'm saying? And then you're tending to think, well, his daddy was an overseer. His brother was this. And you start making all kinds of excuses. And sometimes those things may be true. That doesn't mean God loves me any less. 
That doesn't mean that God favors me any less. If I do, in fact, what did God tell Cain and Abel? He, he, he said to, to Cain, you know what is required. If you do what is required, you will be accepted also. And, and so what I'm saying is to stop that contrast, stop that comparing. And I had to come to grips with that, and it took a long time to do it. You say, well, oh, wait, Matt, you're a pastor. I know it. I didn't say I was perfect. So if I struggle with things, I know you do too. So here's the deal. Jealousy has got to go. Envy has got to go. God has something for you to do. God has a place for you to be, and he wants you to do it and be it. And don't compare yourself to somebody else. I remember when I came here, man, I came in 1995. Uh, I left a little rural church. Uh, we was doing good to be a rural church, very good to be a rural church. And I come here, and we were struggling. And I had a CDL license, so I went down to the Board of Education and applied to be a bus driver. And you know, they're at the top of the income earning in Camden County. Y'all know that. I mean, they are, man, that's the cat's meow right there. But I wasn't doing it for the money. I was doing it for the insurance. <clears throat> anyway, so... I mean, I had people say, man, you pastor in that church. I had guys tell me, for you, you need to quit that. God's called. And I know God's called me to greater things. And when the time came, I did. But I wasn't above it. And for 13 and a half years, I drove the yellow cheese wagon. Picked up your children. Some of them mean as all get out. Hello? I've done those things that I had to do. And sometimes I could listen to the comparison and say, look at the other pastors in the state. Ain't nobody having to drive, no bus. And yet you, but hey, our church was continuing to grow, continuing to grow. Don't ever put off what God has put in your path. If you have to do something that seems less meaningful, hey, driving a school bus was good because God allowed me to do it. Hello? And I was then who I am now. I witnessed there like I do now. And I stood for him there. And when the time came, guess what? I came right on, I came right on. And now God has brought our church to where it is now. And you know what? I'm not above doing whatever I have to do. But stop the comparison. It took me a while to get over that. Um, could it be that we don't get what we want because we're so mad at God when other people get what they want. Could it be that when they are blessed, we get so mad and on our high horse that they've been blessed and we say, well, why, why wasn't it me? Why didn't I win $100,000 on the lottery? Why didn't I do this? And why couldn't this have happened to me? Let, let me show you this. Here's the solution. Here's what you need to do. You need to stop comparing in a bad way. And here's the way you do it. Romans 1.25 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God and give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Remember that when you compare yourselves to others, you're not wise according to 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. That's what he said. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So what, what are you saying, Pastor? They decided to look at the creature instead of the creator. There's a word in the Bible, and we don't use it a whole lot. It's called glorify. Glorify. There's a word kin to it, and, and it has, it has magnified. As a matter of fact, David said, Oh, 
magnify the Lord with me. Now, now, this is a magnifying glass. And when I look through that magnifying glass, it makes these words appear to be larger. They're not larger. I move it away and you see the words are the same size. But it makes them appear larger than they are. And David says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And he's not saying that we can make God bigger, but we can see God bigger than anything else. That we can look at him and understand that he is the almighty God. That he is the immutable God. That he is the omniscient God. That he is the omnipresent God. That, that he is the uh, omnipotent one. But the problem with us is this. We take the magnifying glass and we don't glorify God or see him larger. But we look at his wife and say, oh boy, she's so hot. And God's just really blessed him more than me. And we magnify his job. Man, he makes $150,000 a year. And we magnify her car. Oh, look what she's driving. And we magnify this house in this neighborhood with this location. And we magnify everything except the God that can change our situation. And then we accuse him of not loving us enough to help us. And wonder why we're miserable. I want to tell you something. God loves you just like you are. Before you had a big rock hanging on your finger. God loves you just like you were before you drove a Lexus. Or a VW Bug. God loves you just like you are before you had a stitch on your body. Or before you had pearls around your neck. And I want to tell you something. God loves those people of India and Africa and Guatemala and Central America that don't have a place to lay their head at night. As much as he loved those who claimed, I've just been so blessed by God. And you indeed have been. If you don't believe that, you go with me to Guatemala the third week in, uh, in March and you'll find out that we are blessed beyond measure. I don't care if you live in a falling down double wide and it's raining inside when it rains outside, you are still blessed beyond measure. The way we can combat this is to honor God, to glorify God, to magnify Him. Stop looking at what everybody else has and seeing your situation through that lens. You, you know, you may have looked at Facebook and Say, well, there's pastor up in the mountains. Kind of just another day in the life, son. You might have thought that. And that's okay if you thought that. You can stay in those mully grubs if you want to. But you can also go to the mountains. Hello? You're going to have to, you know what? Some of you know, you're workaholics. You never take no time for yourself. And I'm sort of preaching to the choir here. I had to just block it out and say, this is what I'm doing. And believe me, I had several phone calls and texts for me to keep working while I was there. And I said, we have an executive pastor named Josh Cribbs. And I'll be back on Saturday. Are you with me? <laughs> Somebody else that can handle some things while I don't have to. There's no way possible. Because, you know, really and truly, and I did it for years. When a pastor thinks I've got to preach every sermon, I've got to preach every funeral, every wedding, 
every this, every that. Nothing can move unless I'm the impetus, unless I'm the motivator. That's damaging. And it's unhealthy. It's killing that guy and don't let anybody else grow. Last year I did nine weddings. I'm not doing that no more. You know why? Hey, I love everybody I've done a wedding for. Don't get me wrong. But that's nine Fridays and nine Saturdays. And there ain't but 52. You understand now. And so sometimes you got to say no to some good things in order to say yes to some great things. And some of y'all got to learn that as well. But we get in this mold of comparing ourselves and say, man, I, I just wish I had his life and you don't know what his life has. I wish I had her life and you don't know what. I, you know, I've been guilty of some of that. I've said some of those same things and then I really got close to that life and saw it and said, Lord, I don't know if I really want this or not. This coming Thursday is Thanksgiving. Here's the way to overcome that comparison. Be thankful for what God has given you. When I tend to find myself in the mully grubs and say, well, I don't have this or I don't have that, and then I read that Facebook post where my friend's daughter was nearly snuffed out and gone. I looked at my wife and I said, thank God I've got four children and five grandbabies. They're all healthy. I thank God for the church we got. We got each other. We got God. Who cares if we ever drive a Lexus? Who cares if we ever live in the greatest neighborhood? Who cares? I don't. I'm not saying that it's wrong to to do that. I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things. Please don't get me wrong. But if that's your driving impetus for life, then it's wrong. If you'll stand with me, please, I promise I'll tie this up. You'll never have a problem with gratefulness if you understand that Nothing you have is deserved. Nothing you have is deserved. You see, the Bible says in Colossians 3 and 2, to set your mind on things above, not things on this earth. And, and, and here's, I'm going to leave you with a few scriptures. Philippians 4.11, Paul writes to the Philippians and says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He said, for I have learned to be content with whatever circumstances I'm in. He wrote further to the Philippians in the next verse and said, I know what it's like to be in need. You could probably raise your hand. I know what it's like to have plenty. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned to be happy. And And then he tells Timothy, his young protege, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And two verses later, he says, but if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Last scripture I'll leave you with, Hebrews 13 and 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. So be content with that. Listen, here's what. I want you to be freed from comparison. Love your friends. 
Be happy for them if they can buy a new car and pay cash for it. Pray for them if they buy one and put it all on credit. I'm not saying talk about them. I just said pray for them because they're going to need it. Amen? And especially if they got two or three of them that's just pray for them. Don't talk about them. If you open Instagram and somebody's, you know, got the, they finally landed the love of their life and you've been single for 10 years and searching for love in all the wrong places. Be happy that they found it. And God, one day and in the right timing and the right place will send it to you. But don't begrudge somebody else's blessing. Don't begrudge somebody else's relationship. Be happy for them. Because God made you for who you are. He didn't make you to be me or somebody else. You have your own DNA, spiritually and physically. And God thought enough of you to create you the individual you are. So stop struggling with comparison. You don't have to struggle with comparison. If you're going to compare, compare in a good way to make things better. Not to make you and everybody around you miserable. Amen. Because people can see through. They can see through it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone here under the sound of my voice. Lord, if they're struggling with comparison right now, and everybody has, there's not a doubt, there's not a one of us that hasn't struggled with comparison. <clears throat> I pray, God, that they would be freed from the struggle of comparison in a negative way. That they would no longer compare apples to oranges, but they would understand that you love them just as much as that person they're comparing themselves to. I pray, God, that you'd give us a level head. I understand that in the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted Adam and Eve to compare themselves with God and said, you know, if you would just eat some of that right there, you'd be just like God. You'd be as smart as God. And that comparison got them in deep trouble. As they compared that and they decided to act on it. So I pray, Lord, that we would be happy in the skin that you gave us. That we would be happy and content. And if we need to improve ourselves, then let us improve. If we need to look at ourselves and, and do better, then by all means, Lord, help us to do better. But don't let us envy and be jealous of one another. Let us be happy for the success of others. In Jesus' name.